Hello, and welcome to another episode of A Murderous Affair. My name is Gabrielle, and this is the podcast where we talk about women in history known for mayhem and murder. I, for one, am very excited because this week we are actually continuing with another member of the Dutch Resistance Group known as Hanny Shaft. If you guys missed last week's episode, I talked about the Overstegen sisters, Truce and Freddie, who were the youngest members of the Dutch resistance in World War II. This is the third in that trio, known as the girl with the red hair. This is gonna be a good one, guys. Called Last Words of Hanny Shaft. And then the tracesofwar.com article about Hanny Shaft was also extremely informative. So if you guys are interested in learning more about Hanny Shaft and how she played a role in the resistance beyond what I mentioned in this episode, I recommend you start with those. Honestly, there's tons of information out there. There's also a movie out about her, which I haven't watched, but I've heard is really good, and it is now on my watch list. So let's go ahead and talk about the murderess this week. Jeanette J. Joanna Shaft the girl with red hair, the third in the Dutch resistance trio who helped assassinate Nazis and sabotage railway lines. Janice Johanna Schaft was born on September 16, 1920. By all accounts, she was very shy and quiet, and she was really good at school. Her parents were Pieter Schaft and Afshe Talia Vrijer. I'm so sorry, I'm not good at pronouncing Dutch names, please forgive me. So her father was an elementary school teacher and he was also a socialist and a member of the Federation for Dutch Teachers. I couldn't really find anything that said what her mother did for a living, but she was also brought up as a socialist and they raised their family to be so too. She had an older sister, Annie, who was born in 1915, but she died in 1927 from diphtheria. Jeanette J also went by Joe or Jopi until she began taking part in the resistance group, where she started going by Hanny. So from here on out, I'm going to refer to her as Hanny so that we're not name jumping a lot. In 1938, Hanny graduated with really high grades in German, French, Dutch, English, history, botany, and zoology. She at first wanted to be a teacher, but then decided that she would rather study to be a lawyer instead. Hanny chose to study at the University of Amsterdam, and in order to do that, she had to pass an exam in Greek and in Latin, which she did. So what I'm saying is that she is awesome, she was super smart and compassionate, and she really had goals to help people change their lives. At the University of Amsterdam, she specialized in international law and later decided that she wanted to go to Geneva to help, quote, breathe new life into the League of Nations. While she was attending at University of Amsterdam, she became a member of the Amsterdam Female Students Association and began making more and more friends through that group. Within that association, she actually founded a new division together with a couple of friends. Now, what's interesting is that this division was actually named Gemma, and it says it's from the Latin phrase gemare e minoribus pentinus, which means from small things we aspire towards the great. In May 1940, war broke out, and on July 1st, Hanny moved to Amsterdam South with some friends, Nellie and Annie. While this was happening, she started to help the oppressed and act against the Nazi regime on a small scale. For example, after the Yellow Star of David became obligatory to wear for all Jewish people, she would steal IDs from non-Jewish women and pass them out to her Jewish friends. She would also send packages to Westerbork and other concentration camps. When the Germans demanded a declaration of loyalty from all students in 1943, she refused to sign it and, and returned to her home in Harlem, Amsterdam. Two of her friends, who were also Jewish, joined her in her journey home, 
in hopes that her parents would give them shelter and a place to hide. At the end of April 1943 was when she came in contact with the resistance group known as the RVV, the Rod Van Verzet Council of Resistance. This is the same resistance group that the Overstegen sisters were part of. The resistance group found her trustworthy and she was quickly given her first assignment. She went on this mission with another resistance fighter and it turns out that this mission was a test because when she pulled the trigger to shoot the man she was assigned to shoot, she heard a click and it turns out that the resistance group was testing her loyalty the entire time, and the man who she had thought she was assassinating was actually the CO of the resistance group. Of course, she was understandably furious because I can only imagine what that must have felt like, like and how much that must have took out of her to be able to do that in the first place. But to the resistance group, she had been proven capable enough to work for them. Hanny learned a lot about weapons and it took part in shooting lessons on a regular basis. She would also fraternize with German soldiers to get necessary information. Now, her first major act was on November 27, 1943, when, together with a few other resistance members, they tried to sabotage the power plant of an electrical company. In the end, this attempt was unsuccessful, but it did succeed in boosting morale for the local population. On January 20th, 1944, Hanny also took part in a new sabotage act. Fire bombs were planted at a local cinema due to the fact that the cinema regularly showed German propaganda films. This attempt also failed because the fire bombs that the resistance has placed were discovered prematurely. It was around this time that the Nazi regime had stepped up its raids, and so Hanny decided to leave her parents' house and hide for two months at a fellow resistance member's house named Jan Bonacamp. On June 6, 1944, Hanny and Jan shot Piet Faber, a baker who was suspected for his treachery. Right after the death of Piet Faber, Hanny and Jan attempted to assassinate the police captain Ragout from Zandam. Uh, they waited to ambush the captain, and when he appeared, Hanny shot him and then bicycled away. Now, at the same time that she shot him, bombers have actually passed overhead, and the bystanders thought that Ragout had been hit by the fire from the bombers. Now, at this point, Jan moved closer in order to make sure that Ragout was dead, but although he was mortally injured, Ragout actually managed to shoot Jan in the stomach. Jan was taken to a nearby police post and put in a cell waiting to tr be transported to the hospital. However, someone had alerted the German secret police that Jan was a member of the resistance and he was forced to talk. And he gave the address of his wife and also another operative who had worked frequently with both Hanny and Jan. There were also several other members of the German secret police and Dutch collaborators that Hanny eliminated. Another example is that on March 15, 1945, Hanny, along with Trues Overstegen, saw a hairdresser who betrayed people for money. Hanny and Trues both shot him. Later, they hid in a hotel, and Hanny powdered her face because she wanted to die pretty. Luckily, in this instance, they didn't get caught. Now, at this point, it was extremely dangerous for Hanny. Now, Hanny, who was grieving after the death of Jan, hid with good friends of her parents, the Elsinga family. But as a result of this, her parents were arrested by the German secret police and Hanny was forced to take a undercover profile. She went to a hairdresser to color her hair black and she also wore glasses with fake lenses. One of the trusted employees in, who worked in a government branch created Hanny a new ID for her to use when she was in public. 
Her name was Johanna Elderkamp, who was supposedly from Zurich in Switzerland. One of the jobs she would do when she was kind of recovering from her friend's death was that she would provide courier services for the resistance between Velsen and the Hog. On Christmas Eve in 1944, she helped collect five crates of ammunition from a naval base to use in the resistance. On March 21st, 1945, Hanny rode a bicycle from Harlan to Ismuiden with some copies of an illegal newspaper known as the Warhide. She was at a German checkpoint at the Jan Giesen Bridge in Harlem when she was detained because as they were checking her, the illegal newspaper and a pistol were found. She was transported to a prison in Harlem and there she was interrogated while they asked her to reveal her identity and each time she refused. So she was then transported to a prison in Amsterdam and it was during the ride there that one of her guards discovered that she was in fact the redheaded girl that the German secret police had been looking for. Now, at this point in time, the interior forces of the Dutch resistance and the German police force had agreed to suspend executions, but Hanny was in fact executed by a firing squad on April 17, 1945, and she was buried in the dunes of Overveen. After the war was over, a total of 423 resistance members would be found in those dunes, and 422 of them were male, and one of them was Hanny. Now, I believe I mentioned this last episode, but supposedly there were only a few men present while she was being executed. One of the men fired at her and missed, only injuring her instead of killing her. And at this point, she said, I'm a better shot than you. And those were her last words before she was executed. Now, her friends in the resistance had been trying to figure out where she was being held captive in order to try and liberate her, but they only found out one day after her death. On November 27, 1945, her main were removed to the Cemetery of Honor in Blumendal among with 421 other people, most of which she had known personally. On her tombstone under her name is written She Served, and the reburial took place among members of the royal house, such as Queen Wilhelmina, Princess Juliana, and Prince Bernhard. She received posthumously the Resistance Cross called the Versitz Cruz and the Medal of Freedom from the hands of the American Allied Supreme Commander Dwight D. Eisenhower. In 1982, a monument was created in Canal Park in Harlem, which officially was known as the Woman in Resistance, but is known generally to the population there as the Hanny Schaff Memorial. And this memorial was created by Trues Oversegen, who was one of Hanny's best friends. Now she is remembered yearly in Harlem. On the last Sunday in November, there is a commemoration that takes place. This was organized by the National Hanny Schaft Remembrance Foundation. And on November 28, 2004, a booklet was presented by the same foundation with the title quote, cycling past the resistance. And this booklet actually has a route that shows the various locations that were important during Hanny's career in the resistance. There are many schools and streets named after her, and overall she's remembered as one of the figureheads when you talk about the Dutch resistance. And that is the amazing and wonderful and brave story of Hanny Shaft. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you know anything more about Hanny Shaft or want to share your thoughts, please feel free to leave a comment or reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at Furious Reads. If you guys want to catch more of what I'm doing, check out my YouTube channel where I talk about all things bookish, youtube.com slash c slash But for now, thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Goodbye! <laughs>